Frankie, what kind of food truck would represent you well? Well, you know, I love food and I love to work out. So it definitely <laughs> would be a food truck with some salties and some sweets with nice. your like kind of natural health food. But I like a hearty kind of a situation. So it might be like a little burger spot with some like really natural stuff, some mm-hmm. gluten-free options with some like date bars and stuff for folks who are working out. Yeah, I was biking in Oregon a couple of weeks ago and um, I'm on this trail and I see some food trucks and I'm like, I'm so hungry. I'm like, I don't know, 20 miles in, I want some food and the food option sucked. Oh, so I, waited, I waited. I'm like, I got five more miles till I finish. I'm gonna, <laughs> so I want somebody who's just, Riding through, getting a workout in, who just has hunger pains, can pull over, get some good solid food. Something that <laughs> right? nourishes your body. Yes. Yeah. I like it. I dig it. I dig it. Kimberly, how about you? Oh, man. Now I kind of want to change my answer a little. Frankie's being all healthy over there. We have a food truck here in Austin called Hey Cupcake. It is Jack's favorite food truck. <laughs> and so it's like naturally one of our main celebration trucks. And so I feel like I like a good celebration. So I picked Hey Cupcake or some kind of cupcake truck. I don't know what we would call ours, but something yeah. sweet. <laughs> There's the name right there. Oh, something, something sweet. sweet. Oh, I like it. I bet, I bet it's taken already. <laughs> if you run the something sweet truck, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? I would be a coffee truck Oh yeah, for sure. Because I energize people. At least that's what I've been told. <laughs> and because he's obsessed with coffee. Yes. Yes. It's like a scientific mm-hmm. method for coffee. There is. There's this whole science behind <laughs> it. And, you know, I was thinking, well, maybe taco truck. But you know what? Could I live without tacos? I mean, I can oh. get by without tacos. Sounds Are you terrible. really living without tacos? I don't know. I mean, at least not in Austin. But Are you really living? <laughs> you know, with uh, can I live without coffee? Nah. <laughs> As someone who's moved from Texas to a state without breakfast tacos, oh, I am right. suffering. I oh, am suffering deeply. <laughs> come visit us. Breakfast tacos okay. every day if you come visit. Thank you. Come on. I don't know how I left Texas after learning about breakfast tacos. Queso. <laughs> Have you ever had queso somewhere else than Texas? Right. It's like, what is this? This is not it. Right. I'm very free and I still eat queso. (laughs) (laughs) And to you, our listeners, welcome to the Kimberly and Coach Show, where we bring you actionable practices you can use in your leadership and collaboration today. I'm Coach. Kimberly is right next to me. And today with us is Frankie Baines, community organizer in Salt Lake City, Utah. Oh my gosh, we have been so excited about this episode. We met Frankie when she was living in Austin at a co-working space, Orange Co-working, and just immediately loved your whole vibe. Um, Frankie is the kind of person that when you're in the room with Frankie, the room feels better. You just want to hang out with Frankie. (laughs) Wherever Frankie is, that's a good place to be. (laughs) And so we're really excited to have you in our virtual room today for our podcast. Yes. (laughs) Y'all are so sweet. Thank you guys so much. Y'all are just same. Just beautiful, beautiful people. So I'm super glad that y'all said, hey, what you doing, Frankie? Let's do this. Yes, yes. So fill us in what you're doing out in Utah. We catch glimpses in social, you know, and we saw you on the news talking about this new uh, conversation mural up on the Patagonia store. 
So catch us up. Give us uh, give us the skin. What's going on out there? Gosh, there's just so much good stuff. But something that I d- jumped in is um, a community project. And I jumped into it about a year ago. So um, I'm super excited to tell you all about it. It's called Utah Conversations. And when George Floyd passed away, when George Floyd was murdered, um, it was this huge, um, you know, there's this huge uprising. And there was, I had such an emotional response myself. And it was, you know, it was really, really hard for for my community, for all of us globally. And so with all of the protests happening, I started to ask myself, like, what do I think I can offer in this moment? Do I want to go out in the streets and protest? Or do I want to go and like, what else could I be doing? How else could I be helping? So I thought about my teaching background and um, I do a lot of facilitating and bringing folks together. So I'm thinking, you know, I think conversations are what can be really helpful in this moment because, you know, I see us doing a lot of external work, which is so needed. We need this work. We need people on the pavement, like hitting the ground, really putting pressure on, um, on our governments, on our systems, you know, putting pressure on folks. We need that. But we also... It makes me ask the question of like, well, what happens when we get home? Because it's still mm. hard in my workplace. Very yeah. well-meaning people cause a lot of harm that I've experienced as the other people experience. So like, how do we get these changes to really be embodied? You know? Yeah. So like relationships and conversations could be a first start. So um, yeah, we, I worked with some of my communities, some of my friends and um, I said, hey, what could we do? What do y'all think about something called Utah Conversations and getting folks to talk about anti-Blackness and talking about how we can make our community safer? Yeah, yeah. So I was up late last night uh, on your site, reading through and listening to interviews that you've done. Uh, Specifically, I I was just obsessed with the About the Mural PDF. Uh, that starts talking about um, you know the people who are represented in this big mural. And, and by the way, I'm going to post the, the the link to all of this in the show notes, so everybody who's listening can uh, jump over there and catch up on it too. Uh, will you talk with us about some of the people who are uh, in this mural? How this mural expresses some of their experiences of Black joy? Yeah. Um, so. We did the com- we did the project and we had some recorded conversations and this um, store had learned about it Patagonia had learned about the project some of their employees had participated oh, and cool. they do some store window art and they um, oftentimes fund artists to like create a mural art for their store oh, they want I love their that. store to be like a community center so they said hey we'd love it if you found an artist so we looked for a black artist. And we did a call and we got a few submissions. And when we saw Blondine Jean's work, it was like mm. just amazing. And she was already doing some art to like express her feelings with, with what's happening here. You can find her at Blondine Art on Instagram. She's absolutely amazing. So she began to listen to the conversations and she did the synthesis process. And she was like, okay, I see themes. So when you look at this mural, you're going to see all these beautiful people on the left. You'll see um, some parents. And th- these are real people. She, right. the biggest thing was, I want this to be, um, I, want, um, I want people to see themselves. So I want them to see people they know. I want mm. them to see Black joy. I want people to feel like they can live into this. Mm. 
in a really impactful way. So we got a couple of parents. We got the outdoor auntie who's amazing. She um, does outdoor Afro here in Salt Lake City and gets black folks out into nature because it's healing, it's fun. And um, she loves nature. And so she puts on a lot of events through outdoor Afro in our community. And also does a lot of amazing stuff as a city planner and as, um, I can talk about her for days, but she doesn't. <laughs> she sounds cool. Yeah. And, uh-huh, but she's a mom. So that's a parenthood theme. And my friend Brian is in here featured with his daughter. And she's just, um, she's got this beautiful, intimate picture. And we felt like it was so beautiful to like include this little sweet moment with him and his daughter. And mm-hmm. so um, the second theme that came up when she listened to the conversations was sisterhood. Mm-hmm. And um, so she has a couple of dancers in the center leaning on each other. Mm. And on the far right, um, it's that leadership piece. She really wants people to feel empowered, to step into their roles in our community, to create change that they want to see, whatever that can be. So we have some leaders who were chosen because they participated in Utah Conversations. And that's Malaysia. He was a trainer for Utah Conversa- Conversations. Mm-hmm. And Billy was a participant. And he also helped lead out on the Black, Bold, and Brilliant project that came out of Utah Conversations. And um, Mrs. Betty Sawyer is right there. And she's a fundamental leader. And she was on the Black, Bold, and Brilliant project. And then we also chose Yvonne because we have a dance theme in the center of it. And Yvonne's a community leader that leads African culture classes and African dance classes in our community. Mm. Oh, gosh, I love it so much. as you are doing this project, I know you started talking about like, what, what can we be doing for when we get home? And in that vein, I was wondering, we are basically a leadership podcast. Do you see art as leadership? And if so, where do you see this art leading people to? Okay. So yes, yes, and yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's had two questions, so two yeses, but you know, Art is leadership without it being leadership. It is, and it hits you in a different way than Mm -hmm. that really cerebral kind of work that like, that work that puts you in like your front, front, prefrontal cortex kind of mode, like, well, let's Mm -hmm. logic our way into this. Right. And there's things that won't change through logic. Like logically, I know, what do I do that's illogical? I'm a pretty logical witch. No. <laughs> no. I know that if, you know, I want to go ahead and I don't know, there's just things that I do that are probably are not very logical, you know, and I probably need an emotional reason to change. I need like a really connection and need to really understand it in a different way to change. You're not going to argue me into, um, into like into change you're not going to argue people into change and right now we're in this situation that I think has to do with a lot of the information that we're getting that we're really polarized because the people we trust are giving us information and it's way different than the other people's information and we don't like each other and we are mm. super polarized and we're in this really protective really guarded space and the misinformation is out of control and so especially around race the CRT thing has me totally shocked it shouldn't oh even be an issue shouldn't it should not be a conversation it should not make anybody feel angry or sensitive or anything (laughs) it's just been historical stuff and it's still manifesting itself today so we still got to deal with it you know what i mean yeah yeah but you know the thing that art does is it takes you to your heart space it takes you deeper into your brain deeper into your body 
deeper into your heart than an argument will ever do. And I think it's the thing that changes us. That's why when you see plays, when you see a dancer, when you wow. hear music, when you see murals or any type of visual art, it says, ooh, <laughs> let me think about that. Let me feel that. Let me connect with it. So um, our artists are our leaders. Uh, my favorite quote is um, Toni Morrison. Mm. And she says, it just may be a left up to the artist to do it. The scientists have been trying it. The social scientists, everybody's out here trying to figure out how to deal with our race issue. Historians, everybody, politicians, it just may be left up to the artist. They're not mm. getting it done. Mm. And so, yeah, I definitely believe art is leadership and I definitely deeply believe in supporting artists in any way that you can. So yeah, go out there and buy somebody's piece, support BIPOC artists and um, yeah, it's important. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And as you think about this mural that you've been working with, where are you hoping that it is leading the conversation? You know, you're very intentional about who is in it and what the themes are, you know? So like when, yeah. so if I were to walk up onto this mural and go into the Patagonia store and I see this, where would it lead me, you know? Yeah, there's a sense of outside of the white gaze, outside of the patriarch's gaze, outside of the gaze of misogyny. So I'm trying to live outside of that gaze. And this is an example of it. So as much as we're addressing that there are disparities and we got to handle business, there's something very empowering about being like, I'm going to be joyful and I'm, this is the life. This is a, this is a part of our world, like focusing so much on the change kind of can be so exhausting. Part of that quote where Toni Morrison in that same segment and I, I'll share that with you all. If anybody else wants to um, listen to this um, this um, interview with Toni Morrison, but she's talking about how it's a distraction. You know, mm -hmm. she got at the time that she was writing is a distraction to deal with race in some ways. She got a lot of questions about when are you going to start writing about white people? <laughs> <laughs> and her response is like, how audacious. <laughs> when are you going to start writing about black people? These are my people. <laughs> this is my life. This is my experience. This is what I write about. It's almost, and the people made it an issue. It's just, uh -huh. it's such a non-issue, but people made it an issue. She's not writing about white people and she's writing at this really high literate level. She's not writing to the mainstream. Why isn't she? Because she's a black woman and she's writing to her experiences just like white people do. It's like outside of the gates of whiteness is a really important place to live. And so, yeah. I think when people see this, I just want people to see Black folks for who they are. Um, Blondine wanted people to be able to see themselves really fully, not as a stereotype, not under anybody's level of expectation, just living, just humans living who are just uplifting joy in the Black experience. Yeah, almost mm. giving permission to just live as a whole person, not mm -hmm. just a soundbite or a piece of trauma. Uh -huh. <laughs> to look at, you know, um, yeah, man, that's so good. In this particular space, as you're doing community leadership, there's got to be some very unique challenges, especially maybe even in Utah, as as a mm. place that is not necessarily the most diverse place. Mm. What what are the challenges that you are facing when as you're doing community work like this? I don't. I don't um, have like this list of challenges that's coming to mind. 
Um, what kind of challenges am I facing? I think, I think I'm going to have to answer this question the best way that I can, because like, I don't necessarily have this list of challenges because I'm going to do this work regardless. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to speak to the truth of what needs to be done regardless. So um, any pushback, you know, I don't do this. Um, I don't do this for money or anything like that. So I don't have to worry about answering to somebody. <laughs> so this is, this is what's going to get done. <laughs> this is yeah. what we need, you know? And so I'm working with so many people who um, are supportive of this work um, that I don't, you know, I get, we get, we get stuff in our inbox, especially with Black, Bold and Brilliant, because it's another thing that's like a outside of the white gaze kind of a focus, like Black, Bold and Brilliant. We are having conversations that bring up joy, lift up our stories, talk about our experience. But sometimes we get stuff about like, what about this? What about that? That's a little bit too Black, or that's a little bit... <laughs> tell you is this not for you if it's not for you it's not for you right yeah yeah Um, and it's shared with the whole community because these are stories and stories are wonderful right but I love learning about folks from their perspective I love reading across like different communities and racial backgrounds you know I love to read a lot of books so I just read as much as I can and so I read all different kind of type of cultures but, you know, I'm not going to censor the way that somebody tells their story. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's not my place. And so I don't, I think if there's anything that, especially when it's the, in, in the media side, when it comes to like projects like Black, Bold and Brilliant, um, we got some like, oh, is it going to be all Black? And <laughs> a lot of the people who were white, most people who are white who were having the conversations. Yeah, I'm in Utah. Most of the people are white and it is to deal with anti-Blackness and Black folks don't need to deal with anti-Blackness the way that white folks need to deal with anti-Blackness. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the mural is mostly Black folks. The mural is Black folks because it's, a, when the artist looked at it, she got the message of Black joy. So yeah. I think that there's just this stance of we're going to do what we have to do. And some people make noise and do whatever, but there's a lot of trusting that what we're doing is rooted in truth and is rooted in love and is rooted in um, just something that's not out here to harm anybody. There's just, mm-hmm. I'm just, I, I don't have much time for much of the naysaying. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that I'm, I'm just, I just love about the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. I feel this is the way forward that you're, that you're paving, you know, and the conversations, the mural, these kinds of things, this is, um, this is the way forward and the idea that, you know, to bring a sense of, of safety and just being mm-hmm. right yeah. outside, outside of the gaze and outside of the, the socialization and all of that, the just being uh, just struck me as I was reading through these stories and as a, as a way forward, uh, I, I, I'm just, I'm just struck in awe by by these big huge ideas that you're working mm-hmm. with and but you know in the in the big community as a whole as we're as we've heard the stories from our families and from our friends uh i'm i'm just you know there's points last night when i'm like i said it's really late but i'm just like 
you know, crying about these stories. And I'm like, this, this is it. This is the way forward. And I just, I just love it. Um, but the work that you're doing as critical as it, it's got to be personally challenging. How are you caring for yourself through this journey? Yeah, I think, you know, the amount of time it is, you know, it's a service and it's a showing up. So mm-hmm. be tired. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, for me, it's been the bicycle. I huh. decided to do a bicycle tour this year just to treat myself, just to nice. do something like a, like to try different physical things and I couldn't run anymore. So I'm like, okay, I can't train for a marathon. I can't run. Mm. What can I do? I can ride a bicycle. And I like the non-competitive spirit of bicycle touring. It's like, just a whole different pace, a whole different way of experiencing things. And so, yeah, I rode through Oregon for a little bit about three weeks ago and did something with adventure cycling. And we did 200 miles through through Oregon and camped and all that. And that's been medicine. Yeah. It's been great. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So as we bring today's conversation for a landing, Frankie, how can, how can our listeners engage with you and your project? You can find me at utahconvos.com or frankiebaines.com and y'all will have my spelling because everything's all spelled uniquely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there's a conversation guide on the website, on Utah yes. Convo's website. Mm-hmm. Please have these conversations in your home. Please think about the relationships that you have and how you can nurture them and how you can be in service of each other because at the end of the day, um, that's what matters. So, you know, I think as I watch married couples, I've learned that it's not about being right. If you want to be right, you're going to be single. <laughs> <laughs> and so. <laughs> in That's true. That's same. true. You know, and community is the same. So if we want to be right about whatever's really dividing us, mm-hmm. then we're not going to be together. So how about we drop? We, it just really doesn't even need to be. Where is that? Let's just really work on our relationships showing up in an authentic space, holding space for folks. And uh, yeah, just just connect with each other. And I think that we can make some headway that'll make a little bit more sense than some of the nonsense that I'm seeing. Yes, I love it. I love it. So good. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, Frankie. It is always a joy to be with you. Always. And to our dear listeners who are listening in, thanks for tuning into the Kimberly and Coach Show where we endorse romantic dinners, long walks to the beach, and movies that make us laugh. We'll see you next time. (laughs) Okay, so we just finished talking with our friend Frankie, and she's involved in this conversation called Utah Conversations. And so what we are doing now in the epilogue is talking about what are the practices that you can take with you into your leadership today? Yeah. So one of the things that one of the elements that Frankie really brought out was that as much as we would like to logic our way to change, mm-hmm. the reality is, is that you can't, okay, so let's get real. You can logic your way to a certain degree of change, Right. Yeah, if you speak loudly and emphatically and you just mm-hmm. bulldoze everyone, they might get tired and just go along. Right. But I don't know how effective that really is until you reach someone at the emotional level. The emotional right. level is really where true change happens. Mm-hmm. And this is, I think, something that I, the smartest leaders of our time really get. Okay. Brene Brown, 
<laughs> yeah. Right. Right off the top of my head. That's a huge, yeah. a huge uh, thought leader in this space. The CEO of Microsoft. What? Everybody's like, come on, coach. It's Microsoft. Right. But listen, I'm involved with Microsoft. I know the shift that's happened in their shop. Now, I've never been on the Microsoft payroll, but I've worked in and around it with Microsoft for over 20 years. And the shift that, that uh, Satya Nadella has made in the company with his emphasis on empathy mm. has turned that company into a trillion dollar giant. Right. A lot of times when you're leading, when you're arguing for your point, what you're doing is you're creating an us versus them. Like mm-hmm. I need to be right. You need to be wrong. And then we will go where we're going. But when you involve conversation and empathy and story, when you receive, when you kind of look like she, Frankie talked about this um, gigantic mural that they made, you know, there's something where you're trying to step into a story and hear it that brings people onto the same team. And mm. that is going to, help you lead a lot better than when having minor victories in us versus them conversations. If we can get into each other's stories, allow people to be whole people and take into account their whole experience, then we are going to have a team that functions a lot better. Oh yeah. So I think the practice that as Kim and I were kind of processing Frankie's brilliance, because <laughs> I mean, really she's brilliant. Um, yeah. I could listen to it's her true. all day. Uh, but to lay it down and listen, mm-hmm. you know, be captured by the story that's happening. And that is a whole different approach to, to team leadership uh, and to conversations, to relationships, mm-hmm. uh, to yeah. marriage, as, as Frankie pointed <laughs> out, it's like, if you're going to be right, you're going to be single. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As people who just yeah. celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of <laughs> wisdom in that, a lot of wisdom. So not just through logic, but through heart, emotion, experience, mm-hmm. that's where change happens. And that's the way forward in so many spaces and places uh, for, for true social change through, through uh, and to real leadership change. If you want to see the change happening in your shop, you got to engage, not just at a, at a, oh, well, this is business. There's nothing personal here. Like, are you kidding me? It's all personal. All right. Let's, you know, and I get that there are certain functions that have to happen, but Mm -hmm. it's all personal. And it does feel often like to do this kind of work requires a slowing down. No, yeah. You know, we don't want to listen to the other side because we're busy. You know, we want to move forward. Um, but that time that you invest to slow down and to hear people, it will come back tenfold. You know, like it's just such, it's such a big deal when people feel valued and seen. And I think that's one thing that Frankie was trying to do, uh, with that project with the mural is not only show, you know, this, this was coming out of the George Floyd murder and the protests. And, um, there's a lot of conversation about black trauma happening but also a whole picture to include black, black joy. And so I think that you can take that into wherever you're leading and recognize that there are things that you're not seeing in the midst of conflict mm. when you're just like zeroed in on an argument that if you could take into account a broader picture, you're going to get 
more of that person. And if they're on your team, you want their engagement and their energy. And um, it's going to be worth the time that you invest in that. True, true. So that's our epilogue for this time around. Thank you again for hanging out with us. And of course, all of the good stuff will be in the show notes. Don't forget to check out those links. Yes. And this has been the Kimberly and Coach Show. I'm Coach. This is Kimberly sitting next to me. We'll talk to you next time. See you later. 